Howdy folks and welcome to the Dirt Road Cowboys Christian Podcast. My name is Dean, also known as the Dirt Road Cowboy. If this is your first time here, or whether you're a repeat listener, I'd like to welcome you and thank you for listening along. This episode's probably going to be a little short. I've been having some throat problems and my throat's still a little off. So if my voice sounds a little strange, then you know why. Okay, this time I wanted to give a little introduction to covenants. A lot of people think that there's only two covenants, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant in the Bible. But we see that there are several covenants mentioned, all the way from Adam up into the New Testament. After Jesus had already ascended, they're still talking about covenants. Now I want to talk again about how I wasn't brought up as a Christian, even though America was more of a Christian nation back when I was growing up. I still didn't know a whole lot about Christianity or the Bible. My family wasn't Christian. They weren't particularly religious or anything else. They were just your average family trying to survive. In fact, when I was a kid, I didn't even know what Christmas was about. I mean, part of me knew, but one time my mom asked me, do you know what Christmas is about? And I said something about, well, it's a time for that people are good to each other and they're showing kindness and they're showing love and it's a time for families. And she said, no, Christmas is about Jesus' birth. That's when we celebrate his birthday. And I really didn't even think about that. I'd seen nativity scenes. I saw the baby Jesus, but... He wasn't the first thing that came to my mind when I was young. Later on as I was growing up, I still didn't know anything about the Bible or church or anything. I'd heard references, and somehow, though, when I would hear certain words, they would strike me as something that had to do with the Bible. Even though I'd never read the Bible, I didn't go to church, I didn't hear Bibles being preached, I didn't hear any gospel... I didn't hear anything. The little kid stories of Adam and Eve and Noah. In fact, when I was a kid, I'd never even saw Charlton Heston part the Red Sea. I didn't know much of anything about religion, Christianity, Judaism, or anything. But strangely enough, when I would hear words like lukewarm, I would think, well, Luke, isn't that someone from the Bible? What does that have to do with water? Or when the popular song, Joy to the World, would come up. I thought it had something to do with the Bible or Christmas because, you know, Christmas time you heard Joy to the World. And when they talked about Jeremiah, I figured that's a Bible name. But wait, that song just said he's a bullfrog and he drinks wine. So was Jeremiah some kind of a Bible bullfrog? I didn't know. It was very confusing to me because I didn't know anything back then. And you're wondering, What does all this rambling have to do with covenants? Getting to it. When I was young, I don't know how I had heard about the term blood brothers. I suppose back then a lot of people had heard the term. And I thought that that would be the coolest thing to be bonded to someone by blood like that. And there was part of me that knew that there was something to all that. It was a practice that In the West, we just kind of considered to be pagan or something like that, something that the savages did or whatever. But I saw that it had been done by 
primitive peoples throughout history. And I started to think about how it would be to be bonded with someone like that. Now, see, I'd never heard anything about covenant in the Bible. I heard testament. And that's kind of like a last will and testament or testimony or something like that. I didn't correlate that with covenant. Like I said, I wasn't brought up in church. I never heard the terms interchanged or anything like that. But I used to think about things like covenants being bonded to one another. And when I was in my teens, I believe it was, I actually came up with an entire wedding ceremony based around blood covenant. I see, I never even knew that a wedding ceremony was supposed to be a blood covenant. That's not something that I had learned or picked up from anyone because, like I said, I wasn't into religious readings. Just a little bit of, very little bit of study. We didn't have the internet back then. So it was basically what you could find in the school library, which wasn't much. But I came up with this entire wedding ceremony of the binding together in the blood and being inseparable from one another and everything. And later on, after I became a Christian, of course, I found out that that's what a wedding is supposed to be. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. I mean, don't, no man can split up what God has put together. And Paul even mentions that even covenants of men cannot be broken. And I got to thinking about it and studying more about it. And I saw the penalties for covenant breaking. There was an extreme curse put on people that broke covenant. Covenant breaking was the death sentence, period. The families would hunt down the covenant breakers and destroy them. If it came down to it, there would be a war and obliteration of the entire family line because of the broken covenant, because they weren't going to let the seed of the covenant breaker continue to propagate. And I thought, wow, that's pretty severe, but that's the way that God had always ordained it. In fact, the Bible talks about the wages of sin is death. Well, what was sin? A lot of folks come up with their own ideas of what sins are. But if you take people's personal opinions out of it, and everyone knows what they say about opinions, I'm not going to repeat it here. People's opinions of what sin is. There's so many things that aren't even mentioned in the Bible that people call sins. But if you get right down to it, sin is covenant breaking. When Adam broke covenant, he sinned and betrayed God and made Lucifer his Lord and King and gave Lucifer control of the world. And no, the serpent in the garden was not a snake. It was a dragon. If you read the book of Revelation, you see that the dragon in Revelation 12 is also referred to as a serpent. So we had this walking, talking dragon with arms and legs or whatever, and wings, which the dragon is revered in many parts of the East as the bringer of wisdom. You know, like the knowledge of good and evil? Yeah. The serpent didn't slither on the ground until after God cursed it. Until then, it was magnificent. It could walk, talk, and fly. But that's beyond this teaching right now. We're talking about covenant. If you look at Abraham and Sarah, God had covenant with Abraham. And when the kings were going to break that covenant, even though it was Abraham's fault by taking Sarah into their harem, God warned them they're about to die. Covenant breaking. The covenant of marriage. That's why adultery carries a death penalty. In the Bible, they were supposed to be stoned to death. And no, Jesus wasn't giving a wink and a nod when he forgave the woman who was caught in adultery 
because they didn't follow the law. There was no husband there accusing. There was no man there with the woman. They were both supposed to be killed. When they brought only the woman before Jesus, they were breaking their own law. There was no accuser. The husband needed to be the accuser. Where was the man she was with? It was only the woman. Therefore, they had no legal right to even bring her for stoning. They were doing that to tempt Jesus. If they would have followed the law to the letter, Jesus would have been obliged to go along with the stoning because he couldn't be a lawbreaker or he would be a covenant breaker and a sinner. And that's where they were trying to get him. That's where the devil was trying to get him. Break the law. The law is the covenant. Technically, there's the covenant and the law was just all the details of what the covenant entails. The fine print, if you'd have it that way. So anyway, Jesus wasn't excusing adultery. That was one isolated case that everyone likes to harp on. And a lot of them like to use it as their own excuse for covering up their adultery. Oh, Jesus will just give a wink and a nod to it. It's not like the fierce, wrathful, vengeful God of the Old Testament. But the Bible says, I am the Lord, I change not. So which one are you going to believe? Man's opinion or God saying he doesn't change? And that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. Not, I will ignore things. No, that's a promise we can hold on to. Even when you read in the book of Revelation, there are people crying out for vengeance from heaven. People say, oh, when you get to heaven, no one cares about that stuff anymore. Well, the Bible says different. So I don't believe anyone that is contradicting those things that are said in the Bible. Even though some people may think that I contradict the things that are said in the Bible, I have proof backing it. And when I talk about those things, I'll bring up the proof. This teaching is not going into that. We're talking about some basics on covenant. So we were talking about Abraham and the marriage covenant and God going to destroy those kings and their entire family line because that is the way that covenants are supposed to be. The wages of sin is death. The wages of covenant breaking is death. The law of the Old Testament, law and the prophets, the law was talking about the details of the covenant. If you broke one part of it, you broke it all. That's why they don't sit there and say you have broken laws. You broke the law. And that's why they had to have the animal sacrifices. Because there had to be a death to pay the price for their sin. For their covenant breaking. And on the milder issues, God allowed a substitutionary death. But there were other instances where the perpetrator was not allowed to live. So you might be wondering, how does that relate to us today? Jesus did the final covenant, and his death was once and for all, so therefore no one dies of a breaking covenant anymore. Well, if that's your attitude, you're not even wrong. And that means that if right was on earth and wrong was on the moon, you're way out there in deep space somewhere. You got a long way to come before you even get to wrong. You're so far beyond wrong that you can't even see straight. To have that kind of an attitude, once saved, always saved, whatever, is demonic. And if you live that way, I will guarantee you, you got a spot reserved 
with your father, the devil, because that's where his kids are going with him. I've already seen it happen. I've seen someone in hell. This person was a covenant breaker. And as soon as they broke a covenant, they signed their own death sentence. Now, God was merciful toward this man. He could have repented and not gone to hell. He still would have died because of his covenant breaking. There's no getting around that. But he would not have been in hell right now, screaming in torment. He's in hell because he was unrepentant. He never truly repented for anything. He bought into the once saved, always saved lie, and now he's screaming in eternal damnation. That's what I said. Covenant breaking is not the sentence to hell. It's a death sentence. If you were to go and break covenant, you can still get right with God. And when you die, go to heaven. But you're not getting away from the death sentence. It's just like in a natural world, if someone is on death row, they're going to die. If someone goes in there and preaches to them and gets them saved, they don't walk out of prison. Say, okay, I'm saved now. I'm a new creature. You can't hold me anymore. No, they pay in the natural for the crimes that they did in the natural. But they will go to heaven if they truly get saved. That's part of grace and mercy. Breaking covenant is not an eternal damnation sentence. It's a death sentence on earth. God's not going to allow covenant breakers to go around constantly harming people. Now, there are times when someone gets saved and they go and they'll break covenant. Now, this can be extremely bad if they don't realize that what they have done has cut them off completely from God. If they have sworn in the blood of Jesus a covenant with someone and they break that covenant, they are treating the blood of Jesus as an unholy thing. Their only hope is to plead stupidity and to repent with a true heartfelt repentance. And they can come back to God. God will forgive that. There are some people that break the covenant with Jesus knowing that they're doing it. Now there's a key word there, knowing what they are doing. The Bible says that the woman was deceived, the man was not. Adam knew what he was doing. Covenant breakers, when they know what they are doing, they know that they're breaking the covenant. They know that they're treading the blood of Jesus underfoot. They don't care. If they would know what they were doing, many of them would never do it. That's why it's important to get this teaching of covenant out there to people. And it's also something that people can stand on when they've been wronged. Now, people say that God doesn't make covenants with people anymore, but that's a lie. The new covenant with Jesus was not the last covenant that God would ever make with anyone. God has always been a covenant-keeping God. But you can't just rush out there and say, okay, well, I'm going to make a covenant with God. The greater makes covenant with the lesser. If God wants to make a covenant with you, then he will approach you. And I know this personally because he approached me years ago, probably more than 20 years ago. He asked me if I would be willing to do something for him. And I said, okay, but why me? He said, because you're the only one that I know of with the audacity to do it. I thought that was kind of strange at the time, but I just chuckled and said, okay, sure, I'll do it. But you're going to have to show me how because I have no idea how to do this. He said, I wasn't asking for your knowledge. I'm asking for your willingness. Okay, I'm willing. Through the next several years, he showed me how to do it. And I was as faithful about it as I knew how to be, which is all he expects. He doesn't expect you to do something you don't know how to do. He expects you to be faithful with what you know. So I was trying to be faithful in what I knew to do and persistent. And I did what he asked. And then in 2009, he asked me if I would give it up in a covenant to him. I said, sure. He asked me, are you sure that you're willing to give it up? 
I said, oh yeah, no problem. I'll give everything to you. So we did a blood covenant in the blood of Jesus. And I turned it all over to him. Now we can't just sit here, like I said, and decide that we're going to make a special covenant with God. Just like a beggar can't go up and say, I'm going to make a covenant with the king and I'm going to get everything the king has. No, the king would have to make the covenant with the beggar and basically adopt that beggar into his own family. Then that beggar would be a prince. Beggar can't sit there and say, I'm going to be a prince, so I'm going to make covenant with that king today. Go ahead and try that. It don't work. So God asked me. I turned it over to him. And then I kind of got a revelation of what that had made me to be. And I'm not going to get into the details of it right now. Just to say that it did give me certain rights and privileges that not everyone else has. Those rights and privileges are part of my calling. Now, everyone has certain rights and privileges under the New Testament, and they're also given gifts and abilities to fulfill the calling that God has on their life. Everyone has a call and a purpose on their life. I'm not saying I'm something special in that regard. I'm saying I have a covenant with God that he initiated and I went along with. But there's a price to pay. And sometimes you get put into situations that you wish that you would have never been brought into. I've been through hell because of the covenant, because of Satan's attacks on me, and because of what I'm called to do. I have been through a big battle over this past decade, the decade of evil from 2011 to 2020. There has been so much evil brought into my life. I won't even get into any of the details right now, but it's been a fight. It's been a struggle. So making a covenant isn't all rainbows and unicorn farts. It is a responsibility. And we're supposed to be strong, just like Abraham was strong when he was told to sacrifice Isaac. But he did it because of the covenant. He had already made the covenant. He knew God would keep his end. So he was willing to sacrifice Isaac because he knew that God would have to raise him up again. He had no question about that. Well, in our day and age... We have a whole lot more doubts creeping in, especially because of the demons of religion that have taken over Christian churches, that have taught so many lies, so much deception has been going on. The people of God are so gullible that they fall for anything that Satan throws out there. Oh, well, here, we're going to put this into you so that if a man doesn't receive it, he'll no longer be able to buy, sell, or trade. That sounds kind of like the mark of the beast in the book of Revelation. Eh, I was talking about the jab. Is the jab the mark of the beast? You're taking something into your body that changes your genetic structure. Now, I don't know about you. That's kind of scary. You become something that's no longer human. Therefore, did Jesus die for you if you're not human? I think Jesus died for humans. If you take genetically modifying things into your body and it changes you into a non-human life form, are you saved anymore? I'm not saying that someone that takes the jab is going to hell. I'm not saying they're not. I'm saying I don't know. It's scary because the Bible talks about the mark and the right hand or the forehead by which no man may buy, sell, or trade, lest he takes the mark and worships the beast. Are these people just agents of the beast? We'll have to see how it all plays out. I don't know. I'm not having it done. That's my religious conviction on it. This is my public record of my religious conviction on it. It's not something I'm making up at the last minute when they try to kick my door down. And jab me with it. I won't go down without a fight. But I'm not expecting it to happen. I'm expecting God to watch out over me. Protect me from it. And expose the evil. So back to covenants. 
and getting close to wrapping this up because I'll get a little deeper into covenants in a later teaching. And I'm also going to get into some talks later on about deceptions that have come into the church, false teachings and stuff that aren't necessarily New Age. I already covered New Age teachings in the church, but I'm going to talk about just some wrong things that have been brought in, some demonic things that aren't necessarily New Age, but have been holding the church back for so many years. Anyway, my throat's starting to get a little bit dried out and having a little bit of a struggle talking, keeping my voice going here. So if I didn't make you too mad, and if you didn't decide that you're never going to listen to me again, I'm going to invite you to come back in a couple of weeks. I have a new podcast out, and maybe I'll get a little bit more into covenants in that one. Maybe I'll describe the covenant process and a little bit more about it, because I love covenants. Like I said, when I was a little kid, I wanted to have a covenant with someone so bad. If someone would have told me that Jesus, the God of the universe, was willing to make a covenant with me back then, I would have gotten saved as a little kid. Because I would have known what it meant, or at least in as far as my childlike ability to conceive it, which is nowhere near what God's ability to conceive it is. So I want to thank you for listening and invite you back in a couple weeks. If you want to find out a little bit more about me, you can go to my website at www.dirtroadcowboy.com and I talk a little bit about me, some of my adventures, some different things that are going on. Some of my stuff for sale. I invite you to come take a look. No pressures. And I want to pray right now for everyone in the sound of my voice that God's wisdom and blessings, love, grace, and mercy be on you and your families. And I pray the best for each and every one of you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Dirt Road Cowboy signing out. Bye, y'all. <music>